Hello, and welcome to the Kingdom Corner Podcast, where you can propel your faith into even deeper levels as we discuss how to live the kingdom culture on earth as it is in heaven, just as Jesus prayed. Here's your host, the great Matt Geib. Good day, good day, Kingdom Corner podcast followers and devotees. The great Matt Guybe here with you once again on the Kingdom Corner podcast on a cool, sometimes sunny, sometimes wet day. Uh, the temperatures seem to be uh, still pretty cool for this time of year. I think they're saying it's the uh, coldest it's been in over 40 years up here in the Pacific Northwest, but we will soldier on. We want to look at some really good truths today from the book of Philippians that we've started uh, some time ago. And with that said, we'll start in chapter 2 of Philippians. That's where we left off the last time we talked about rallying around unity. And we had started in chapter 2, and I'm going to go back and I'm going to read um, the passage again, and then we're going to highlight the scriptures and the different things that I want to look at today that I feel prompted by the Lord to pull out and share with you. If there be, therefore, any consolation, this is chapter 2, verse 1, in Christ, if there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of joy, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Verse 3, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness or humility of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Philippians 2, 1 through 5. We're going to stop there. And we're going, to, we're going to just start to go down through this, these verses, and we're going to pull out some phrases and some words, and we're going to dissect this further like I like to do, and share some very, very, I think, timely thoughts for you. The very first thing that I want to highlight on today uh, is, Fulfill ye my joy. That's what Paul said. Fulfill ye my joy. And then he wants them to be like-minded, having the same love, be of one accord, of one mind. But let's pull out that phrase, fulfill ye my joy. And let's talk about that. Let's look at another scripture here that gives us a definition of what I really believe the word joy means. And we're going to go to Ephesians 3, 1-9. We're looking for a fuller definition of joy. Because that's what this epistle was about, the primer of joy. So fulfill ye my joy, Paul says. And then we're going to get into that further, but let's look at what he means by joy. Okay? Let's look at that. We're going to give you a definition of that. We're looking at Ephesians 3, 1 to 9, which Paul also wrote this letter. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation or the stewardship of the grace of God which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I've briefly written already, verse 4, 
by which, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which, verse 5, in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the... How did, how did that happen? It was through the sharing of the gospel, verse 6. Then verse 7, of which I became a minister according to the gift of grace of God given to me by the effectual working of his power. Verse 8, to me who am less than the least of all saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles, and another word for gospel would be this phrase, the unsearchable riches of Christ. That's another synonym for the gospel. And to make all men see the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. Now in this passage here in Ephesians, there is a definition of what joy really is. Now we've talked about in previous episodes of the King's Kingdom's Corner here, we've went all through Ephesians, we talked about that Paul was the great um, Gentile apostle. It was given to him to open up the gospel to the rest of the world, not just the Jews, but to the Gentiles. That was his great mission. It's called and referred to the mystery, because it had been shut up for so long. And now it was being revealed to apostles and prophets, of which he was the chief apostle, one of the chief apostles in the church. Verse 5 talks about it being revealed uh, at this time to apostles and prophets. And then he talks about the gospel. Now when we look at that word gospel, how partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. We must look at that word gospel. We're getting to something here. That word gospel means glad, joyful, catch that word, joyful tidings of good news that brought a reward. And that reward, of course, was salvation. Let me read that again. Gospel in the Greek means... Christ, through the glad, joyful tidings of good news, uh, this is what Paul was preaching, that brought the reward of salvation. So the gospel is joyful tidings. It's good news of joyful tidings. When we're talking about joy, we're talking about it being in the found in the gospel of Jesus Christ, in salvation, at the very root of it, of Jesus Christ. We could go through, and we, we'll go through a few scriptures now, and we'll talk about a little more about joy. It's interesting, in the Bible, there's 155 references to joy in the Old and New Testament, five of which are in Philippians. We talked about that in the introduction. And 11 talk about rejoicing. And let's just look at this word. It's chara. Chara means exceeding gladness, joyful, or delightful. Exceeding gladness, joy, and delight. Uh, and some of the examples, I just want to run through them really quick. In the Old Testament, I pulled out today. First Chronicles 15.25. There was great joy in Israel, or Judah, when the Ark of the Covenant was brought back from the Philistines. First Chronicles 15.25. There was rejoicing and gladness. That's what the Old Testament word means. First Chronicles 29.9. There was a transition being put in place where David was going to turn over, he was soon going to pass away and turn over his uh, throne to Solomon. 
and, and, and it says the people were rejoicing. They offered to God with a perfect heart offerings because their hearts were perfectly set towards God. And, and um, that perfect heart means they were at peace. You know, joy brings peace. Joy brings contentment. Second uh, Chronicles 20:27. We're probably all familiar with. Um, was it uh, of the of the great king of Israel there? Uh, I can't think of his name now. But he brought a great victory over the Amalekites. Great victory over the Amalekites. I want to say Hezekiah, but I'm not sure that's right. Uh, brought great victory. Second Chronicles 30, there was rejoicing and great joy under Hezekiah. This was the, net, the real one, Hezekiah. The last one wasn't Hezekiah. I have to think about who that was. Second Chronicles 20, 27, perhaps you could look it up. Second Chronicles 30, rejoicing and great joy and revival under Hezekiah because that they, the people were turning back to God. And there hadn't been such rejoicing in over 260 years since the time of Solomon's reign. Solomon was the king of peace. And then after that, the kingdom split up. There were the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. There was great um, divisiveness. There was great turmoil. Some kings, uh, none of the northern kings followed God. Some of the southern kings did. Some of them did not. Um, so we go on. Ezra 3, 12 to 16. Let's just go back to 2 Chronicles 20. Can't remember the king's name, but the Amalekites, like a, uh, an army of over 500,000, if you add it up right, were aligned against Judah. And what did they do? They set the choir out to rejoice and sing, and that's what God commanded them to do. And then the enemies were so confused, they killed themselves. And there was great rejoicing after that. So Ezra, great shouting with joy. Ezra 3, 12 to 16, at the temple dedication, the new temple, after uh, Judah had been in 70 years of captivity. There was great joy at that. Uh, Nehemiah 8, 10, the same time as Ezra, they were rebuilding the walls of, of Jerusalem. And it, it talked about the joy of the Lord was their strength. You know that scripture. Uh, the, the joy of the Lord strengthened them in their resolve to do the things of God. Uh, Psalm 16:11. Well, I love this verse. Uh, David sang sang this or stated this: "In Thy presence is fullness of joy; at Your right hand, uh, uh, at Your right hand are pleasures evermore." When you look up that joy word in the Old Testament, it has to do with delight and pleasure as well. In Thy presence is fullness of joy; at Your right hand are pleasures evermore. And he starts this verse out, I love this, show me the path of life, Lord. And then he says, in thy presence is fullness of joy. You know, if I'm in your presence, I'm seeking the path of life, there's fullness of joy, there's pleasures evermore, you know. Uh, Psalm 32, 11, the upright of the heart, the upright of heart shout for joy. And then David, when he had committed the great sin and repented before God, he talked about being restored to the joy of God's salvation, 51.2, or I mean, sorry, Psalm 51.12, Psalm 51.12. Uh, in the New Testament then, there's joy over one repentant sinner. Uh, we've read that, and that's uh, Luke 15.7 and 10. Joy over one sinner that turns to God. Uh, let's see. Um, 
there were also in the New Testament, I don't have the scriptures down, but when the angels came to to announce the the coming of Jesus in the air, that they were glad tidings of great joy. You know, just like we say the definition of joy, glad tidings. So joy, there was great joy. Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is joy, real joy, right? And then if you went through, um, John was a big one that talked a lot about joy, praying to God and asking him things that your joy might be full, 1 John 1.4. I want to write these things to you, he says in 1 John 1.12, that your joy might be full. 3 John 1.4, there's no greater joy than my children that he's praying and writing to them that they walk in truth. Okay, all throughout the epistles, Paul always talked about the different churches and the and the saints in those churches being his joy, being his crown of joy. Could give you more references. Let's see what else. I want to read some. Here's the New Testament scriptures. Uh, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, he's talking to the shepherds, I bring you good tidings of great joy. That's the definition of joy. Good tidings, glad tidings, uh, one translation says, which shall be to all people. Luke 2.10, Luke 1.44 says the same thing. And then John, again, uh, we're reading from the first John, second and third John, but here's John, uh, the gospel. If you remain in me, Jesus said, my words remain in you, uh, whatever you wish, it will be done. This is my Father, to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Okay, and then he goes on to say, if you keep my commands, you remain in my love, and my love remains in you. Uh, that's what it's all about. And I've told you these things so that your joy may be full, uh, and it, it may be complete in you. Um, Acts 2.28, Paul was preaching at Pentecost, and he was quoting from David, and he said, thou hast, made me, thou hast made known to me the ways of life that shall make me full of joy with thy countenance. The ways of life, the ways of God, are the ways to true joy. Okay, let, let's, just, let's just quit there and, and go on. There's like six references in uh, Philippians alone. Um, Paul said, we talked about this, Paul said, in, uh, you know, to live is Christ, to die is gain, Philippians 1.21, and then he goes on to say it's like he was between a rock and a hard place. He couldn't decide whether he wanted to keep living in the flesh for their sake or go to heaven, and in the end he said, for your furtherance and joy of faith, you know, I will, you know, according to God's grace and his mercy, I will stay with you and minister to you. Um, there's more. There's more in here in Philippians. Uh, I request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel, and, and I'm seeing that God will finish the work in you. Uh, Philippians one four to six. You know, He that has begun a good work in you will finish it. Uh, and then Philippians two seventeen talks about being offered on the sacrifice of servant service. For, of faith, uh, for your joy and rejoicing. He's talking about Paul offering himself on the sacrifice of faith and service. Uh, 
Philippians 4.1, Paul's joy and crown was the uh, church at Philippi. So those are a lot of, a little word study on joy uh, is what we were going to there. And let's go on then, and let's go back to Philippians 2, and let's read through some of these things. And I just want to pull some things out. Last time we talked about rallying around unity. Now we're going to talk about the journey to joy. And I've defined joy as being, you know, delight, pleasure in God, rejoicing at glad tidings. It's a, a joyful word. And it, it's, its origination is in, of course, God, comes from God. Therefore, chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, if there be any consolation, you know, and we're talking about an exhortation. That word consolation means an exhortation, a calling near. It means an encouragement. If there be any way I could encourage you, Paul is saying, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, we talked about this last time, fulfill ye my joy. Why? How do you fulfill that joy? How do you receive those glad tidings? By being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord. Okay, he's calling them to that. And, and knowing that's if they do those things, that uh, the things of God, if they walk in the ways of God, if they walk in unity, like we talked about last time, you know, and we're going to begin to look at how, the, how we begin to implement walking in unity, how we begin to implement walking a, a joyful life before God, which is walking in unity, and what we need to do. We're going to begin to look at that. An exhortation to unity. Um, that's what we're talking about. So, because there had begun to come in the church, like I said, uh, kind of a, a rift between two women that were soloists, um, Syntyche and Odious, I think were their names, and we talked about them. And he, so he begins to address this. But he would rather have his joy, it means filled to the full, filled to the full. So let's look at, at, at further at this, how, you, how this is filled to the full. Fulfill ye my joy by being like-minded. Like-minded. Autoists, or autos, like an auto. Think like these very things that I'm going to share with you. The, the phrase autoists, or like-minded, means to think these very things. Okay? So what kind of things are they going to think? Let's, let's break that down. Let's go... Uh, we're going to talk about being like-minded. Just what that might mean to be like-minded. Uh, let's see here. Like-minded. Uh, think these very things. Uh, an idea of emulating someone. Uh, of copying them in a way. You know? Think the same thing. Um, I'm going to read what I have in my notes. We read it before. Having the same love, being in heart agreement, being in soul-to-soul -soul agreement, um, thinking the one thing. Kenneth Wiest translates it this way. Fill full my joy by thinking the same things, having the same love, being in heart agreement, thinking one thing. So let's go. Having said that, when we're talking about thinking the same thing, being like-minded, uh, you know, I was thinking about emulation today, or as I've studied that passage this week, you know, there's 
when you have little children in the house, there's nothing they like to do more than emulate the adults, you know. Uh, the little girl likes to get up in the kitchen with mom and try to help her cook. Uh, I have friends of mine, Christian friends, that own a coffee shop, and they have their grandchildren come running in there, and now some of them are four and five. They like to get behind the counter, and Grandma kind of lets them. She directs them, but they emulate what Grandma's doing. And that's the way we walk in the Lord when we're newer Christians. We emulate other Christians. We emulate uh, what Jesus did in, in the Scripture. But there comes a time when God wants to take us, what I call it, from emulation to maturation. From emulation to maturation. So having said that, I want to read this passage. Ephesians 4, 11 to 15. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting or the completion of the saints, for the working of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come, here's that word again, into unity, till we all come into unity of the faith and the knowledge, the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect or mature is what the word means, or complete man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And here's the contrast, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of man, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to seed, to deceive, verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up into all things which is the head of Christ. Wow, quite a contrast. We're talking about coming into maturity through the knowledge of the Son of God, becoming a perfect or complete or mature man or woman in God as opposed to being like children. Remember, like I said, like-minded children emulate the adults, and that's a good thing, but there comes a time when a child begins to grow into an adult and they begin to mature and then they really need to put into practice these things. They're not play-acting anymore. And they're no longer children, you know, up and down, tossed to and about, like this verse says. But they grow up, verse 15 of, of Ephesians 4, into all things in Christ, ahead of Christ. Isn't that beautiful? How do we become like-minded? By growing up into all things in Christ. By being in unity, you know, by walking together that way by having the experiential knowledge of the Son of God uh, to grow into a complete or perfect man. Uh, let's go on. I want to talk more about this uh, like-mindedness a little bit. Uh, we said it before. I'm going to read Wiest's translation again. Fulfill you my joy by thinking the same thing, having the same love, being in heart agreement, thinking the one thing. That's maturity, is it not? Um... One accord means fellow-souled or fellow-minded. And then we talk about being of one mind, right? Uh, Like-mindedness or having one mind. Um, phroneo. It's, it's carefully, to carefully direct your thoughts toward one specific thing. And here that thing would be unity, right? So, let's go on. We're going to go to verse 3 now. Let nothing be done through strife. That is, let nothing be done, we could say it this way, through being divisive, discordant, contentious. Uh, don't be fracturing into different groups. Uh, don't, don't be striving that way and contending with each other. 
or vain glory. In other words, empty purpose, uh, futile purpose, uh, something that, uh, you know, some miscellaneous thing that you're putting out there to puff yourself up, arguing over different over dumb things, like some Christians will argue over sports teams, you know. It's okay to a point, but then, you know, it can go too far. Or like in this church, maybe the soloists were arguing who should, uh, you know, be favored over the other, who was the better soloist. Dumb thing to argue about. But in lowliness, or humility, that's really the word, uh, definition, humility, um, let each esteem, that is, let each, each of us consider, uh, deem the other better, weigh or judge the other better, you know, than ourselves, excelling or surpassing ourselves. Um, and we're talking about in lowliness or humility, where he's referring here to a picture of the Nile when the river was running low, really low, you know. That we're to really, like Peter said, you know, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and in due season God will exalt you. We're also, I also thought of this word picture, you know. Um, I, I used to have a friend that would come over, and he loved to watch race car driving, which I couldn't stand, until he began to explain to me some of the, um, some of the strategy. And one of the strategies was when there was a race team and they were racing, um, there would be one driver that might be ahead, and there were other drivers on the team that weren't ahead, but maybe they were even on a different lap or half a lap behind. But they could get close to their partner that was ahead, and they could um, actually, in a certain sense, run ahead of them, even though they were like a lap behind. And the guy that was ahead could uh, then get behind him, and it's like the, these, uh, the guy that was in front, their partner would push the wind away, would push the air away so they could draft and even get further ahead in the race. That's what we're talking about. They, they were running low, is what we would say, so their, their partner, their teammate could run high and win the race. You know, Look not or fix not your attention upon... Uh, let's see, let's see. Let not everything... Let me see. Let nothing be done through vain glory or strife, empty purpose, but in humility of mind, let each esteem, that is, elevate somebody higher, dignify them, uh, other better than themselves. And then he, and then he says, um, let me find it. Look not to your own, uh, or fix. don't fix your attention on your own interests, but look to the attention, look to the um, welfare of others. To esteem, let's go back to that, means to be a leader. Uh, consider, deem, or account. Think from a root word which refers external facts to weigh or, and judge a person uh, to be, you know, put them ahead of yourself. Um, um, let's see. Esteem other better. In other words, you see them ex excelling and you help them surpass even you. And I told you about the sports car. Uh, race. Look not every man on his own things. In other words, don't fix your attention on your own needs and wants, but every man also look on the, the needs and wants of others. We rejoice with them that uh, rejoice and weep with them with, that reap. Weep. Romans 12, 15. Um, 
Follow after peace with all men, Romans 14, 19. And things that make for peace with all men. And edify or build up one another. Um, let's see. Romans 15, 1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not just please ourselves. Okay. Those are some cross-references. So, let's go to the final thought that I have for you today. We're talking about a journey to joy. How do we get to that place of, you know, receiving the glad tidings of God and rejoicing and being and walking in joy that is our strength, the real godly joy that doesn't pass away? Well, let's look then, we'll look then at verse 5 here, and that's where we're going to end up at today. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's what we're talking about. It even refers back to Ephesians 4, uh, 11 through 15, where it talks about um, coming into the maturity and the knowledge of Christ. I think that these verses are parallel to, to each other. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And the literal way of saying it, this is not in the Greek. It's let mind be. Let mind be. We must let mind be. That is, let the mind be of Jesus Christ in us. This exhortation finds its definition, what we've already read in uh, verses 2 to 4. How, is that, how, how do we sum that up again? What is that definition? To think the same thing, have the same love, be in heart unity or agreement, carry oneself in a low-running mind or humility, and to see to it that your brethren excel or surpass you. And I've talked about how God gave me a word of knowledge or a prophetic word about that, how he wanted me to be as one that would actually people could climb upon as a ladder into the things in the presence of God. I, I so, my heart is so for that now. There might have been a time... 30 years ago when I would have bristled at that thought. But I just want to so, you know, push people ahead in the kingdom of God. Greek rendering here. Um, this be constantly thinking in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. This be constantly thinking in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The word this points back again to verse uh Four for a definition of what to constantly be thinking, right? Verse 4, think the same thing, have the same love, be in unity of heart and mind, be in humility. Uh, verse 6, who, and verse six connects, 6 connects the illustration and definition to verses 2 to 4. Let mine be in the Greek, we've said that, let mine be is one word. And that word is phroneo, and it means to direct one's mind to a certain thing or concept. We've studied that before, way back in the episodes in 2 Timothy 1.7, when we talked about, He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sophronis moss. That's, that's a you know, another word that's tied into phoreno, they're, they're the same word, only this one's a little fuller, sophronis moss, uh, 
to direct one's mind to a certain concept or thing, 2 Timothy 1.7, he's not given us a spirit of, of, of fear, but of love, power, and a sophronis moss mind, that is the ability to direct, one of the words there, there's like four root words for sophronis moss, and one of the words there means to be able to curb your mind, to direct your mind to think a certain way, to seek for, strive for, this word connotes to have in view the direction which the thinking of a pr practical kind takes. God gives us that ability. He gives us that power to think, to let mind be, the mind of Christ, to think the way he thought. Um, the bottom line, the Philippians, as well as us, as well as we, should emulate in their lives the distinctive virtues spoken of in uh, 2 to 4 that we went after, or we, we defined before, um, these thoughts were the direction of our Lord's habitual thoughts. Let's say them again. Thinking the same thing, having unity with the brethren, carrying oneself in humility, and seeing that your brethren excel, right? Those were the thoughts of our Lord. Because our Lord still embodies the same mind, okay? So let's, uh, let's finish up for today, and let's look at one more thing. So, we not only want to, like we say, be like children and emulate Jesus. We want to be and imitate Jesus. We want to become like him, like I read in Ephesians. Uh, take on the knowledge of the Son of God unto a complete and mature man, like it says in Ephesians 4. <clears throat> 1 John 2.27 gives us a key. But the anointing which you received of him abides or remains in you. You need not be taught by any person or man, but as the same anointing teaches you all things and is truth and no lie, even as it is taught you, you shall abide in him. That's where it starts. His anointing abides in you, it remains in you. Then 1 Corinthians 2, some beautiful passages here. Uh, we're going to go uh, 1 through about 16, but I'm just going to kind of uh, highlight some uh, major verses here. In the same way, my brothers, when I came to proclaim to you God's secret, this is Paul talking, I didn't come in my own brilliance of speech or intellect. See, he wasn't coming in his own mind, right? Um, I, I was coming, playing that God's purpose, that your, your faith was not to rest on my cleverness, but upon God's power, okay? Um, verses 6 to 8, we do not speak wisdom among those who are we do not, we do of course speak, I'm sorry, wisdom among those who are spiritually mature, but it's not what is called wisdom by this world, nor by the powers of be. He's not talking about worldly wisdom. He's talking about the wisdom that comes from above. Um, as it is written, verses 9 and 10, and he's quoting the Old Testament, I has not seen, ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But God has through his spirit, uh, has through the spirit, let us share his secret. Okay? He, through his spirit, he's revealing these things to us. He's making known this secret. Remember the mysterion, the mystery that Paul was making known? For nothing is hidden from the spirit, not even the deep wisdom of God. Who can really understand a man's innermost thoughts and the spirit of the man himself? How much less 
could anyone understand the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God? We're on verses uh, about verse 11 or 12 here. And then um, he goes on to say in verse 13, It is these things that we talk about, not using the expressions of human intellect, but those which the Holy Spirit teaches us. He's bringing wisdom from the Holy Spirit. He's explaining things to those who are spiritual uh, by the Holy Spirit, by Holy Spirit knowledge. And then I'm going to finish with this last phrase here. Who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Of course, nobody. Incredible as it may sound, we, ha are th we have the very spiritual mind of Christ. That's what it says. Incredible as it sounds, we have the mind of Christ, is what this verse says here. Verse 16. This is because um, God has shared that with us by His Spirit. So that's where I'm going to leave it. Journey to joy. How, how is that accomplished? How is the, the glad tidings received deeply in our lives so we have the strength of God? By letting mind be, having the mind of Jesus inside of us, and having our thoughts curbed that way, to think that way, to be that way. Not just, not just uh, it's okay at first to copy that and read through and, and begin to practice it, but then we have to become that, as we read in Ephesians. So that's my lesson for today. Journey to joy. Be blessed. Thank you for joining us for another great discussion on The Kingdom Corner, hosted by Matt Geib. Remember to click the subscribe button so you can be notified of each new episode as it's released. To enjoy an even deeper dive into God's Word, check out Matt's new devotional book, Searching for Significance, a devotional journey through the book of Ecclesiastes. Learn more and even hear from Matt himself on the devotional website, significanceacademy.com. As always, thank you for being a part of The Kingdom Corner.